Welcome to a live and active life, broadcasting encouragement to live your daily life with God's help and inspiration to reach for more of God by faith. Join Brenda Wolf for today's practical insights. Have you ever been told you always have to be right? There's likely been at least one time in our lives when this has been said to us. And chances are, you've said it to someone else. To have to be right seems to be a human issue. Does it ever bug you that a certain person just always has to be right? Maybe you are that person. If so, does it bother you that you pursue this image of being right no matter what? And here's the hard question. Is it even on your radar how it affects others that you have to be right? You know how it is talking to a have-to-be-right person. In those conversations, even arguments, you begin to realize, here we go again. They just have to be right. Perhaps it's a group project with multiple, intelligent, creative people. Maybe it's a business meeting a community organization, a neighborhood, or family gathering. It could even be a friend. But that person takes the helm and tries to convince everyone their approach is best. The topic could be about anything. Finances, cars, property, relatives, politics, religion, just to name a few. The scenarios are endless because as soon as you realize it really isn't about the topic, it's about the person who has to be right. There are more examples where that person may insist that they have to be right. Things like memories of how it actually happened, exact dates, whose perspective is right and whose is wrong, how to spend a vacation trip, The Bible actually says common public opinion is really, and then there's this one, which politicians are right. Well, it's annoying to have a situation deteriorate to a place where a person argues and just won't let it go. In fact, as we already identified, it ceases to be about the conversation, the topic, or the plan. For some odd reason, it has become about that other person again, who feels they just have to be right. It's as if their well-being or their life value is somehow connected to being right in their mind. Some people have even figured out how to always be right in a socially acceptable manner. You know, that kind of nicey, clever sugary way? Well, what do you do with that person? Let's talk about first things first. We need to start in the right place. It always starts with me, whatever side of the issue you are on. Let's look at this. The first point is that if you sometimes are that guy, ask yourself some good inner questions. Questions like these. What is going on inside me right now that I feel like I have to be right? Am I listening 
or judging? Am I open to others' ideas? What threat do I perceive against me? Will my projected self-image suffer if I'm not totally right? Why would I think so? Is there anger in my heart, and if so, why? Maybe I should step back and pause for a minute to consider these questions. So those are the kinds of questions that need to be looked at very early on in any conversation. The second thing that you can do is if you are stuck on the other end with that guy, those same questions can help you too. That's because the tension that that guy creates develops conflict, irritation, and unrest. It literally makes people bristle. But coming to terms with your inner person helps you know how to respond. You can maintain peace, even if that guy isn't at peace. So pause and ask the questions. I'm going to run through that list of questions again. What's going on inside me right now? Am I listening or judging? Am I open to others' ideas? What threat do I perceive against me? Will my projected image suffer if I'm not totally right? And why would I think so? Is there any anger in my heart? If so, why? Maybe I should step back and pause for a minute to consider the questions. So, pause and consider those questions. So then let's go on to point number three. Whichever guy you are, managing your heart increases inner peace. It elevates self-confidence and reinforces the life value that God has already given you. Plus, by willingly standing down, re-evaluating and making adjustments to your approach, you do three really important things. Here they are. Number one, you open the door to personal growth and change, and that's worth something. The second thing is you calmly make a confident statement about your value, character, and conduct. You don't have to fight to be those things. They simply are. And by being at peace in the situation, you are making a confident statement about that without saying a word. The third thing is that others begin to respect you, whether you are that guy or the other person in the conversation. People appreciate the person who takes a step back and then reinserts with balanced perspective. They also appreciate when you admit you were out of line. So, my friend, if you are after your reputation and how you come across to other people, Start by being open, maintaining your inner peace, operating with some self-confidence, and remembering the life value that God has already given to you. Well, what about that guy? As far as managing interactions with the other person who always needs to be right, well, it takes a pensive approach to be positive and practical. This approach is a skill good managers learn in order to empower staffs, teams, and departments. It's a skill critically needed by families, friends, and neighbors, too. 
Parents need these skills with strong-headed toddlers and overly confident teens. Really, everyone should figure out how to interact with others who always have to be right. So here are a few helpful tips to remember when you select your responses to someone who always has to be right. Point number one, be full of grace, mercy, and kindness. And that's really hard when someone's already invited you or tempted you into an argument. But don't take the bait. Be full of grace, mercy, and kindness. All right, the next one is don't argue. Just state facts. And then go on to the next point. Be calm and speak respectfully. Always. Then deal with points that matter and make a difference and ignore all the rest. Another thing you can do is don't get pulled into a power struggle. That always ends badly. And then it doesn't really matter in most cases that you win. It matters that you practice Christ-like character. It also matters that you are solving the problem. Okay, another point. Being solution-oriented is better than being right. If you can steer the gotta-be-right person into a productive direction, you can solve the issue together, and you may have won a comrade. You can also ask good questions to clarify issues. Involve that person in both questions and answers. Another point is know when to step away. If the other person will not step into better interaction, then step away. Using, again, the first point, grace, mercy, and kindness. And then, of course, speaking respectfully. And then finally, be ready to use whatever power you've been delegated to bring positive movement and closure to the issue. Now, that's a short list on how to interact with another person who just has to be right. But when we feel that we just need to be right, a pause really helps to look at perspective and managing one's self. Let's go through that list real quick again as a uh, kind of a review. First of all, be full of grace, mercy, and kindness. Then don't argue, just state facts. Then be calm and speak respectfully, followed by dealing with points that matter and make a difference, ignoring everything else. Then you can uh, refuse to get pulled into a power struggle. And then remembering, it doesn't matter if you win or not. It matters if you have Christ-like character and you're solving the problem. Another point is to be solution-oriented, and that's better than being right. Help steer that gotta-be-right person into the same positive direction. Also, asking questions to clarify issues, which helps the other person. Then know when to step away. And then, again, the final, question, the final point was to be ready to use whatever power you have to bring positive movement and closure to the issue. Well, now that we've talked about some pointers on how to deal with that person who's just got to be right, let's take a look in the mirror. Do you know why looking in the mirror, and why I'm referring to here is more of looking inside yourself, why that is best practice 
when managing tensions of having to be right? Well, simply put, it's because you are the only person you really have control over. Your conduct is on you. It's also because you need to see what you look like when you engage that guy or when you are that guy. Look in the mirror. Looking in the mirror also, if you belong to God, it helps you remember to serve Him and not yourself because you represent Him. The look in the mirror helps you to pause and pray. And when you pray, ask God for wisdom, for creative ideas, a fresh approach, even a reboot. Ask Him for courage and peace tactics to solve problems. After all, those are the things that God does brilliantly at. So if you lack wisdom or anything else, ask Him and He will give to you. In the end, you win if you maintain Christ-like character and you lose if you go after your own agenda. What about when others persecute you? What if you have humbled yourself and are still judged by standards that other people have? How does a person handle being slandered, gossiped about, made a fool to others who don't know the situation? Even in persecution, it is best to not get caught in the cycle of, I have to be right. This is when it gets challenging to do the right thing and where a price is paid for extreme growth and personal training. You can become skillful at working through difficulties with others, especially if you work to solve the issue without compromising your character. And that is critical when you've been under persecution. But what about an example Sometimes it helps to have an example of how to be right. How does a person maintain peace and joy even under the onslaught of others who judge and criticize? Best responses come from the person who lived his entire life like this. Jesus is a fabulous example of how to live misunderstood but always right. You don't have to be right to follow his example. You know why? Because God already sees what's right. He knows the details. Even more important, he sees and knows your heart. If a person thinks they have to be right, the heart is the best place to begin. Let's find some guidelines from Psalm 49, verse 3 to establish and measure good action steps. Here's what that verse says. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Here are six interesting points about that verse. Let me say it again. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. First of all, this scripture is the platform from which you should launch into every issue, even with that guy. 
Second, it's a decision that you make, not something left to chance. So how you respond is a decision that you purposefully carry out. The third thing, according to this scripture, this position establishes boundaries of what you will and will not participate in. Fourth, your position is to be practiced and modeled the same way that Jesus did for us. So we're supposed to practice and model what Jesus would do. Fifth, depend on God for wisdom. That means draw close to Him by faith. And then sixth, consider action steps of understanding. What is understanding? Well, it's like discernment. And then you become a better problem solver. Conversely, if you have to be right, you are serving self, not God who gave you life and purpose. This conduct means your character will not be Christ-like, but rather serve yourself and the enemy. Well, there is one time, I have to say, that it is always right to dig in at the place of surrender to God. Being completely aligned with God helps you think, speak, and act when you deal with that guy. In this place, you are always right. Here are some application thoughts and questions. Number one, are you that guy? Do you have to be right? Two, have you started with yourself to ask good questions? Three, are you willing to take a step back or admit when you are wrong? Four, have you looked in the mirror lately? And five, why not choose to memorize Psalm 49 verse 3, which we went over, and develop the action steps that we explored Psalm 49 verse 3 again is, My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditations of my heart shall be understanding. And then, of course, the six action steps that we got from that verse is to remember that, number one, Scripture is the platform from which you should launch into every life issue. Two, it's a decision that you make. It's not something left to chance. Three, This position establishes boundaries of what you will and will not participate in. Four, your position is to practice and model Christ-like behaviors. Five, depend on God for wisdom. That means you're going to draw close to Him by faith. And six, consider action steps of understanding, discernment, so you can be a better problem solver. I invite you to visit our website for devotional materials, articles, podcasts, and resources to help grow your faith in God, pursue noble character, and an alive and active life. You've been listening to Brenda Wolf with Alive and Active Life. Visit our website at www.aliveandactivelife.org. Your web-based home for resources, including books and e-books, libraries of articles, podcasts, shareable images, and more as you navigate life's challenges and issues. 
Sign up on our email list to stay current with the tools you need to be the person God designed, living an alive and active life.